where I'll work and no play because by your demand we're talking movies we're talking The Shine starring Jack Nicholson Shelley Duvall and Danny Lloyd written by Dan Johnson and Stanley Kubrick directed by Stanley Kubrick some places are like people Chris some shine some don't here's Johnny like you're so fucking predictable that's why I didn't do it Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? As we round out our October, we're going to be talking about a film that needs no introduction, but it's going to get one anyways. The 1980 film by the classic, undeniably like world-class filmmaker, Stanley Kubrick, The Shining. All right, Scott, horror, horror expert, take us away. Well, I think first um, we need to talk about the two elephants in the room. One, I loved how you corrected yourself there and your little mix up with the classic and and it just kept on going that amazing one take wonder baby one take wonder (laughs) more things than one uh the second elephant in the room um obviously this movie was selected by our audience on our instagram they got the most votes of movie to discuss on our uh podcast so I just want to know, like, why do our listeners hate Stephen King so much? Because he, <laughs> he loads this film. I'm pretty sure there's a restraining order he has against this film that it can't be played within 50 yards of <laughs> Yeah, he really dislikes this film. <laughs> but, yeah, in terms of the film itself, now, I watched this actually last night, and I watched it with my 10-year-old son. Um he calls it the boring. Um, or he's the, like or the, the shinning, as they called it on The Simpsons. Ugh, do you want to get yeah, sued, yeah. boy? Yeah, he was like, he's like, Dad, there's only one kill in this movie. It's not even a horror movie. And then trying to explain to a 10-year-old that, you know, if there's lots of killings, that's normally a slasher genre horror film, and there's different kinds of horror films. And he's like, no, Dad. There's only one kind of horror film. They were like, also, this was old timey days, and they really hadn't got the body counts up yet. Yeah, like, and I think what I wanted to discuss as well, like, your introduction alone kind of speaks merits to this film, right? You literally just gave credit to Stanley Kubrick, not to, not to Nicholson not to Duvall like none of the actors none of the cinematographer and and it's funny like researching this film too like even Nicholson's like upset with this film Duvall says it's the worst film she's ever made um I mean she doesn't have like a really great fucking filmography let's be honest here but anyway keep going yeah but in terms of of it everything with this film is given credit to um to kubrick and that's it and nothing else right and that's that's what i think is kind of um interesting in terms of it like if film and whole and you know you're you know you're you're in the industry or whatever i'm it's a budding budding a young filmmaker effort. 
yeah well we'll, we'll take out the young part <laughs> but uh I'm a midlife crisis filmmaker <laughs> is there any is there any other kind Kathy no there's not actually but um like it's a whole it's a group effort like do you know that scene in the I guess lobby when Nicholson and Duval's talking and he's literally giving her the ground rules oh where, where, where are you talking typing? like when he's when he's typing like when he comes in he's like when I'm in here typing or actually whenever I'm in here that that scene yeah yep do you know Nicholson wrote that scene he okay. literally had the same scenario that happened during his divorce um before this film and he relayed like what he thought Jack, the character of Jack, would be going through in that scenario. Mm-hmm. And they literally wrote it based off of his whole his whole um, story of what, what actually took place. But no one gives him credit for it, technically, right? It's all Kubrick. And in terms of what I was saying with um, Duval, that the scene, like, you know, this film has... It's in the Guinness Book of World Records, right? Yeah, for longest longest takes on one scene. I think it's 123. 127. 127 for that one okay. scene of her her with the baseball bat uh, going up the stairs just before, you know, he gets clocked. Mm-hmm. So I, I think in terms of what she was saying, like the heart, like, like people are hardcore on Fincher because he's like, meticulous and be like okay we'll go another scene we'll go another scene just imagine doing 127 takes walking up a fucking set of stairs yeah and i mean this this film is definitely and and kubrick has been criticized specifically for this film and his treatment of shelly duvall uh because of the multiple takes basically trying to make her feel like emote real fear and stress by putting her in real stressful and fearful conditions. Um, now the reason, you know, this is considered like Stanley Kubrick's film and nobody else's not Stephen King's not Jack Nicholson is that he is probably one of the quintessential directors. When you think of like auteur cinema, uh, the other one would be like Hitchcock. I, I mean, there's definitely other people, but like those two definitely come up as people who are considered, they control Every aspect, every minutia uh, of the filmmaking process. Um, I mean, well, yeah. I hold on, hold on. I and I, because I take a very different approach. I think that it is collaborative. Every everybody on a film set is working together to trying to get the best the best film out. But Kubrick is was notorious for just like take after take after take. He was in the editing room. I mean, he's the he famously basically said like he shoots film. I'm going to paraphrase. He shoots film in order to do the edit. As far as he's concerned, the edit, the film comes out in the edit. Um, so that's why his, when you talk about his films, it's often just like, it's a Stanley Kubrick film. Like that idea of like the film belonging to the director. He's one of those guys that set that kind of standard right or wrong. Anyway, go ahead. No, what I was going to say, just in terms of in cinema history as well, late sixties to very early eighties as well. That the new Hollywood period, basically the, of, like the, the new Hollywood yeah, period. Exactly. Exactly. Where, you know, it got out of the studio film. You're going to go watch a Warner Brothers movie and it became a director's film. Right? Where you're going to go watch a Cooper. And now we're in the star 
the star genre where you're going to go watch it for the actor, right? Um, so I get what you're saying 100%, right? And and don't get me wrong, like, obviously, like, Kubrick's probably in every, like, film school or anything like that. He's probably in, like, the conversation for top two, top three in terms of directors, right? Sure, definitely Would Western directors. Yes. Like, people like Europe, like Europe, North America, 100%, yeah. I mean, um, film historian Michael Clement said that... Uh, Kubrick's films are considered by most of his film historians to be among the most important contributions to the world of cinema in the 20th century. That's a, that's a pretty good uh, list to be on. You know what I mean? That's a pretty good uh, declaration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and the thing with this film that I think in terms of choices, I guess you're going to want to say he made, right? Everything's medium to wide view filmed right there's mm-hmm. very little close-ups in this movie uh there's, there's close-ups there's, there's like not three. a lot of extreme close-ups there's yeah there's medium shots and stuff like that i mean the the talking the one shots and stuff that are framed out like those are they often use like a, a, an upward angle uh i mean i think they use some dutch angles as well like pitch to the side or whatever anyway go ahead opposed to like yeah. th- they're not using they do a lot of like cinematic shots though for, for sure yeah and I think that's the thing that's interesting. Like, especially if this is like, would you, would you consider this like kind of like the haunted house genre? Like in terms of horror, like what would you consider it? So that's interesting. Actually, I'm going to use my quote here. So uh, Germ Spinelli of Real View said that as a, as a ghost story and adaptation of the Stephen King novel, it's large, largely a failure. On the other hand, as an example of directorial bravada and as a study of madness and unreliable narrator, it's a brilliant success. Um, and so, yeah, um, is it even a it's a ghost story? I, I first off, I don't find it scary. I, I find it interesting. Like, I, I don't even find it much of like a if anything, I'd say it's a thriller that has like a, a paranormal intrigue to it like like clearly you can't take away the it would okay so to answer your question yes haunted house it would have like in that vein it has to be because you can't separate the paranormal there's the girl in the bathtub there's the the ghost of the little girl like it's clearly go ahead don't forget about the don't don't forget about the ghost of the furry giving head to the other guy oh that's right that's right that's right i think the aversion i saw doesn't have that in it Really? Where she's going up and she's in the um, she's in the the crew section of the hotel. Oh yeah, I know what she you're talking about. This... It's like a some bear creature or something like that giving a blowjob. And then Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either that or it's so quick that I don't remember seeing it. But I know the scene you're talking about. Well, yeah, you don't see the blowjob thing for very long. Even like my son <laughs> because I totally forgot about what it was, right? I just literally like because I don't watch this film very often at all. I think this has only been like the third time I've ever seen it. Yeah, same here. And what I just remembered, I just remembered her going up the stairs and the two technical ghosts just like staring at her in the room, right? But I literally forgot that it's the bear like on his knees and then he gets up and looks and then the other guy comes off. That's right, that's right. And I, my son's like, what the hell? I'm like, yeah, ghosts. So... 
Um, what what's your like 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 me? I I haven't watched it a lot, and uh, I think actually until we were going to do it for this show, I probably hadn't even watched it all the way through in 10, 15, 20 years. So now it's almost like watching it with fresh eyes. What was your first initial take on the film? Seeing it again with those fresh eyes as an adult. It's, it, it is a film to be seen. Just the choices made right in this film, like starting off with the, um, the helicopter shot, right? That's, following that's amazing. The car. That amazing. That, yeah. that establishing tracking shot is, is just phenomenal. And that's the thing with the score, right? It's literally, especially when you're going in, like I could imagine what it was like going into the theater in the 80s when this first came out and you're, one, you're seeing The Shining, you know it's technically supposed to be an adaption of a Stephen King book, right? So you know you're going horror and then you're kind of seeing that that tracking established each thought and you're just like literally thinking with the score that, it's the ghosts of the overlick just like already like following this guy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that I will say, like, there's a lot of fucking windows in this hotel. <laughs> like, there's a lot of fucking windows, which I know there's people who probably have essays and theses on them that a bunch of these windows do not make any sense structurally. Did you, either. sorry, did you, because, did you watch Room One, uh, Room Two Thirty Seven, the documentary? Yeah, it's it's an amazing doc- it's a documentary, especially if you're gonna um, watch this film. I literally would recommend watching the documentary first. Here, give give everybody just and a then, quick a quick summary of what that documentary is, just for anybody who hasn't seen the Two Thirty Seven documentary about The Shining. Scott, give us a give us a quick summary. Well, summary. It's yeah, it's it's different. Um, would you say? thesis or speculations about what interpretations or uh, theories on on the deeper meaning Uh, of the shining uh yes whether or not kubrick that they will and to be honest it's like the youtube rabbit hole right now for you know (laughs) anti-vaxxers um it's whatever you want to find you will find right so whether or not the moon landing was fake and filmed by kubrick they are going to give you 30 minutes of scenes and cuts explaining how he put that into the shining saying that the uh, the lunar landing in the 60s did not really happen or if there was it has to do with minotaurs or whatever kind of crazy nonsense it's it's an entire documentary yeah. of confirmation bias is what it is or or the other one was um uh native american right like taking over native american because some of the food and the salt scattered in the hotel was a native um native american and it just became prominent and prominent and then um the one that they discuss which is amazing is the fact that you can watch this movie forwards and backwards and if you play it at the same time how the scenes technically interact with each other uh to show like a whole 
100% different meaning of this film. Yeah. And and if you smoke a piece of hash off the uh, uh, brick in the wall, Pink Floyd album every minute for a hundred minutes or whatever the weird rules are, you see weird stuff. And if you play this backwards and you listen to watch the wizard of Oz, they match up to uh, people can find, like you said, people can find fucking patterns if they really, really want to uh, find them. Uh, the last thing I'd say about that documentary is I remember the whole thing about like, well, and I mean this hotel, like this, this set of windows shouldn't be here. And I'm like, have you fucking people that clearly have never made a movie before? Typically you build a set and then you make that fucking set work for you because that's what you've got. Like, so if, if you remember our conversation about the Goodfellas, that tracking shot on the steady cam, um, in, when they go back, when they go into the Copacabana, if you really follow it around, he basically just goes around in a big circle, but most people aren't sitting there going frame by frame by frame, especially in the movie theater to figure that out. It just, they needed more time for him to walk through the the kitchen. So they just were like, we have this space. So let's just like move you around a bit. Uh, there was, it was not done like that because like, they're trying to trick you. They're just, well, they are trying to trick you with movie magic. Um, there's no underlying like secrets that are being revealed by the fact that like these windows are here and they really wouldn't be. It's like, because they had a fucking set that they built in a studio and that's what they had, you know, and that's the limited space they had to work with. So. Yeah. And that was the thing, like, in terms of my discussion, in terms of the windows, um, like, because at first I thought it was, I know it was filmed on set, like they built it, but it's actually an actual hotel as well, where all the establishing shots and everything like that were taking place. Sure, 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 absolutely. So, so I actually thought at the beginning, when they're just walking through, they probably had like a little bit of time that inside the actual hotel, right? And then, yeah, it's just like massive window after massive window. I'm like, there's no way this is the actual hotel because I'm like, this part would just literally fall out off the frame. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this... Uh... I, I'm in. I'm in this. So first off, like, did you like the film? Let, let's just have that conversation. Did you like it? Do you enjoy it? I do. I do enjoy it. Like, and it's not one that I would. Like, it's not a film that I revisit all the time, right? But, um, I think it is in terms of cinematic cinematography, and just in terms of, I think, pacing and also choices made. Um, it's one to watch because you are in awe of it. Excuse me. You you're in awe of uh, just like the scope of the film, and and again, this is like being made in the late seventies because it comes out in nineteen eighty. Like I just before we, I just want to talk about so Stanley Kubrick. He's got twelve Oscar nods. He's got one win for two thousand one in Space Odyssey. So two thousand one in the Space Odyssey. If you haven't seen it, go watch it because it's made in like the late sixties. And it's fucking mind-blowing what this guy was doing in the late 60s. So, like, for The Shining, the Steadicam had come out, like, a couple years earlier. It had been used, like, in Rocky and, like, the, the training sequence and a couple other films. But he really, he actually had the inventor. I don't have his name in front of me, but uh, the inventor of the Steadicam was on set with Kubrick. And they were basically just, like, ramping up the use of Steadicam. Like, like those, those, those shots where you're following him on his his little big wheel all through it but even when i was re-watching it there's tons of scenes where you just realize how fluid that camera is and it's just moving around you're you're following shelly duvall and stuff and i'm like man they sh- this like 
a massive amount of this film was shot on Steadicam. And we watch movies like The Shining now. And if you don't take that pause and be like, okay, wait, this is 1980. Because all this technology, we have it all the time. Green screens and CGI and stuff like that. But when you remember what you could do and what this director was doing, like he, for his film, Barry Lyndon, and I don't know, maybe this is where the whole NASA and him shooting the NASA thing comes comes about. But when he shot Barry Lyndon, he took uh, lenses that were developed for the moon landing and used them on his film because he wanted to shoot with practical lighting. So it's a, it's like a period piece. There's a lot of scenery where all the night shots he wanted to shoot with candlelight, just like they would have had at the time. So we needed lenses that could handle like low level lighting. Like he was like uh, Christopher Nolan, you know, for his generation. You know what I mean? Like reinventing technology is what I mean. We went, we went how long into this podcast? (laughs) I'll tell you fucking. Man, I I listed like five fucking directors in this and you're already picking on me. I don't, I like, I could, I could like just like read a list of directors and be like, oh, there you go. Talking about Kurosawa again. Well, well, you don't really talk about Kurosawa very much, but I was saying Hitchcock, I'm like, okay. I'm like, they were contemporaries, give or take, right? Like they overlapped a little bit in terms of filming Hitchcock and Kubrick. So I can see that Hitchcock and I'm sorry, Kubrick and Spielberg, I could see, but you know, you still like in two seconds later, if I didn't stop you, it would have been like, you know, in uh, Reservoir Dawes, that one tracking shot is actually a uh, uh, homage to, to this. Uh, <laughs> but no, what I was going to say is, I think in terms of what you're saying, contemporary, I'll say, have you watched the, the Netflix? Um, series by Mike Flanagan, The Haunting of Hill House, right? No. <laughs> okay. Come on, man. You know, uh, I don't watch horror stuff. You know this. You literally know this. Fact. I would recommend I would recommend it because in to me, like obviously Flanagan, um the spirits of that house in the background or to the side or hiding kind of thing, right? And like watching this film in the 80s, even though you know the ghosts are there, right? I found myself because of how wide the shots were scanning in terms of the scenes to yeah, see yeah, yeah. if there is like you were, it, was, it was almost forcing you to be like, why is this shot so big? Like what, what's yeah, going to come? What's going to get me? Yeah. But like you notice a couple of different things, which isn't much, right? Like, um, you know, a piece of furniture that was in one scene in that, set is now missing when it go, they go back to i still set. think it's that yeah anymore. that shit to me is all just continuity errors it's that things get filmed on different days and then fucking stuff oh, yeah. gets moved and it's there's no it's not witchcraft and it's not conspiracy theory it's just fucking continuity no no I, I'm, I'm not saying conspiracy theory or continuity i'm just saying if it's a deliberate choice saying like you know because it is technically supposed to be a haunted house and in reality, all the supernatural stuff doesn't happen till what the last forty minutes of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I've got a running time. The one I watched was like two hours and twenty six minutes. So yeah, probably at least in the last hour at best. Yeah, because most of it is just like chilling out, driving up there, hanging out, eating eggs. Yeah, I mean, you have your your days of the week, and then you just have his slow little like descent of the cabin fever. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, 
he goes into that room and now the supernatural shit starts starts happening right in terms of supernatural i mean like the ghosts not the hey not and, the but, shinning. and and by and by ghosts <laughs> can we talk about like the full frontal nudity with the uh like late 70s bush in this film i was like whoa i'm like that lady is like all hair down there and we're seeing it all laid out there you know what i mean a plane to Brazil cost a lot back then. They didn't have the Brazilian. But, hey, it's the style, right? <laughs> but, yeah, like, I think it's... In terms of film, yeah, I would say... Where would you put it in terms of horror, right? Like, I told you, you, I think it's like, more I of a thriller. It... I think it's more of, like, a thriller with some, like paranormal stuff because you again you can't tease that out but it doesn't feel horror-y to me it's more like you could actually take out like the ghost stuff the totally take out all the ghost stuff and just have jack nicholson start to lose his shit first off his character also in the movie is a fucking asshole like problematic right from the beginning like even without ghosts he's a motherfucker to his wife and kids so you don't even need ghosts for this guy to be a fucking um... asshole right so yeah, well, that that's why uh, King hates this film, right? Because technically, in the book, have you read the book? I have not, but I've read some of the comments that yeah. Stephen King has made about this film. So, yeah, yeah, no, I have the book. Um, in the book, you know, and it's a personal, from my understanding, this is written while he was trying to recover from alcohol and drug addiction as well, right? After having his kids um but you know in the book the character of jack is somebody that does have his demons but you know cares about his family and he's trying his hardest to to do right by them and then slowly that hotel is what turns them crazy but by the end of the book um he is the one that sacrifices himself to save his family, right? And ends up blowing up the hotel. But yeah, in the film, there is no redeeming arc for the character of Jack. He starts off like a crazy guy reading um, just from the beginning. Yeah, he, he's even in that interview, he's off putting, right? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then by the end, he, you know, freezes to death. He doesn't have any kind of character arc that redeems him. He's technically at home in the hotel by the end of it. He's where he, he belonged, right? 100%. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. And I mean, there's a difference between like a thousand page, I don't know, Stephen King writes some pretty thick books. Uh, sometimes you can just take like a creative choice to be like, I've got you know, two, two and a half hours, I've got to tell a whole story here. So sometimes you just start with some archetypes and you like work off of it. Right. Uh, I know Stephen King also didn't like the fact that Shelley Duvall's character was very weak. Uh, but clearly that's what Kubrick was trying to do. He was trying to show like, kind of like, you know, misogynism, uh, misogyny, sorry, misogyny and, um, patriarch and like the vulnerability of Shelley Duvall's character. She was actually nominated for a Razzie for her role in this film. Uh, her, her acting was pretty fucking bad considering, considering how tight a leash Kubrick kept. And it might, that might've actually been the problem is that he over controlled her as an actor. And, uh, there was definitely parts like where she, the running with the knife. I was like, like the, eh, 
was like, this is fucking horrible. Uh, oh, I, and she was going like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, oh. So, I mean, I, I would suggest everybody should watch this film. If you're also, if you're interested in film, you have to watch this film. Like, this beautifully shot film. It's really well edited by Ray Lovejoy, uh, who has, uh, he, he's Oscar nominated. He worked on uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. He actually got his Oscar nod, I believe, for Aliens. Uh, he did Batman. Uh, he died, unfortunately, in uh, 2001 at 62. Um, Cinematography's great. The editing is great. Jack Nich- Fucking Jack Nicholson is like a maniac in this right from the beginning. And I did read something that like Stephen King didn't like him because Jack Nicholson already, because of his work on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Stephen King's like, oh, they're going to be like, the guy's fucking crazy. He looks crazy. He acts crazy. They're going to, he's typecast as crazy. So you're never, like you're talking about, he's not starting somewhere and getting somewhere. He's starting there and ending there, right? But like, like you said, he's just sitting in a chair and like looking at you and being like, ah, fucking crazy eyebrows and shit. Like, uh, I think he's a, he's a, he's fantastic in this film. He does a great job. Um, and the boy, I don't have the actor's name because he basically like retired. Danny after, like, Lloyd. Yeah. He did great too. Like, I mean, he did a really good job. Um, I know they told him he was in a drama, not in a horror film, um, which maybe allowed him to like, kind of just do the acting component, but he did a really good job. Um, like with his line delivery and like being in his scene and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, my favorite shots are all the stuff with the steady cam, uh, and the color, like the use of color, like the green bathroom or red walls in the bathroom, like the, the green bathroom where the woman comes out of the bathtub. And then like the red walls where Jack Nicholson's getting cleaned up. Um, great color blocking, great movement of the camera. Uh, it is definitely a masterclass in filmmaking um, as an art form for sure. Yeah, I think um, also editing wise, I enjoyed. And like, even when you have like the, the scene where, you know, you see the, the twins and they're like come play with come play with us danny and then they're like forever and then it's the fast little edit to them dead yes there and then the quick cuts and back, back and forth to them. Yeah. yeah like i think that that worked very well with this film and in terms of um yeah like jack's jack though, yeah, right? like, jack's jack I, I, jack's back baby. and that's that's the thing I, I i won't lie it's like him not not filming like not being in any new film yeah, that right just, now it's kind of disappointing yeah 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 i mean right? i think but the one thing i appreciate jack nicholson for is that <clears throat> unlike a mr robert de niro who is just turning out fucking whatever they give him 50 million dollars for is jack nicholson seems to generally care about like the craft and his legacy like i've done he's done good work jack nicholson has Nine Oscar nods, three wins. I think at the, to, as of you know right now, he is the most nominated male actor, like in the history of the Oscars or something like that. So he has definitely taken a step back because he does either doesn't like scripts or he doesn't feel like he can deliver a performance. And that's why we can have a conversation where we're like, man, I kind of wish Jack Nicholson was in a film where like De Niro. Half the time I'm like, really, you're a fucking Oscar winner and you're doing this shit the fuck dude yeah but i think if i'm not mistaken like he never like nicholson never actually announced his retirement i thought it was um he after that, his, that's only something daniel last... day lewis does every three years is is announce his retirement no no, <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm gonna fucking sean 
Sean Connery announced his retirement uh, after that fucking league of extraordinary gentlemen. But what I was going to say is I thought after his last film, whichever one it was, that um, he couldn't, he was having so much problems remembering the lines. And that's why he was like, I don't want to do it anymore because it was more work for him to try to, not more work, but he it was harder to Whether learn his scripts. Memory and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And he was like, okay, he took that as kind of the sign, right? Like, I'm kind of out of it and that's it, right? Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. I actually do my research. You're just you, like, you did. You did. You like, did do your, your research. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I think this is a great film. Definitely check it out. Um, oh, the other thing on editing the use of dissolves dissolving back and forth between like different scenes. It's just, it's, it is a masterclass in filmmaking. Uh, it's, it's entertaining. It's not crazy scary though. Like, so if you're going into this thinking it's crazy scary, I mean, if I'm wrong, you can yell at Scott. Uh, oh no. What I was going to yell at Scott. Fuck you. What I was going to say is it like, maybe this was scary for the eighties. Right. It's the same thing, like, people walked out of Psycho because they thought it was so scary. Yeah, fair enough. Right? So, it's the same thing, maybe, if we watch The Exorcist, which we never will. Um, yeah, but think about it. We, it hold on, hold on. Out. So, John Carpenter's Halloween comes out in 78. That's scary. I would say that John Carpenter's Halloween is scarier than, just definitely in the jump scare category than The Shining. And even, like, Black Christmas, which comes out in, what, 76? Something like that, because... But those they, are slashers. Yeah, but they're still you're scary. All right, so but you're saying. So you're I saying for sla- what? Sla- okay, what, what about genre. the? What about? Hold on. Ours. The what about the movie that we don't talk about because it's so fucking scary? That came out in what? 76? 77? The, the Exorcist, yeah. Yeah, that the E word. So you can't be like, oh, it's the eighties. Now this but, is like the scare. This is scary. It, but no, no. What I'm saying is maybe if you watch that film now, you're like, it's not that scary. I'm not watching it's, that film. I'm not, I'm not doing that experiment. So fuck you no but do you know it's interesting talking about that film do you know that kubrick was up to actually direct that film really and then he um he didn't get it because he wanted a producer credit on it oh and they said Go and fuck they your didn't want to give it to uh, yeah so then he got this one instead so he that's went crazy. after this one instead that's crazy i'm trying to think what is stanley kubrick stanley kubrick the you're talking the, like the stanley kubrick the exorcist that would have been kind of yeah. cool actually the camera work would have been, been better, but I mean, I wonder if it would have been as scary because some of the stuff they did in The Exorcist was fucking groundbreaking at the time, right? Like for <laughs> horror. Um, anyway, that's all for me, Scott. If you got anything else, take us out of here. And that is our rant for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. If you're looking to get a hold of us, please go to our website at howdyoulikethatmovie.com. All our social media links are there, and you can email us as well. I don't know. What's your favorite Jack Nicholson movie? I do like Wolf with Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going old school. Chinatown. Chinatown is good. I mean, I really like him in A Few Good Men as uh, as, yeah. as the commander or whatever. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <clears throat> I actually really like As Good As It Gets. 
I'm actually surprised you didn't say Mars Attacks because that's a Tim Burton. Oh, I totally forgot about Mars Attacks. And that's Tim Burton. It's because you it's because you've uh, taken away like like you've burned into my psyche that there's certain directors I'm not allowed to talk about. So even when I wheel out other ones, you're like, fuck me, you guys talk about that director. It's like fuck man, Christopher Dolan reinvents stuff. Stanley Kubrick reinvents stuff. There's like a, a very clear connection between those two directors. <laughs> Maybe you say so. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.